Welcome to the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast. This is Sue Ann, and I hope you're having a great day. Today, I want to talk about something that's super, super important. Now, I know you're waiting for our discussion about traffic sources, but since I want to give you the resources and have our page set up for that, I'm going to let that go for a minute. If you're really dying to know more, run over to Inspire to Thrive and take a look at some of the articles on that site. Uh, In particular, for traffic, maybe you want to look at the two that are written about content, Boomerang, my last two articles there on Inspire to Thrive, because those will be referenced. And I'm working on a third one now, so why not give you the topic on the broadcast when I have the whole collection done anyway, okay? So... If you're in a rush to get some more traffic sooner and learn some different ways to do it, go ahead, take a look. We will be talking about it. But today we're going to back up a second because before you start running out and getting that traffic, as I mentioned yesterday and the day before, you really need to make sure that your blog is in good shape. Your content hub, your content assets, your quality content is all up to snuff. But that might bring up this question and... It's a question I had for a long time when I started blogging. My question is this. What exactly is a great blog? And I think that's the beginning and not the end of the discussion. But let's talk about it a little bit. Part of the problem with having a great blog or creating your great blog is that you are striving to make an impact. No matter what your blog topic, your subject, your style, or audience, whether it's business or personal, there's a reason you exist. And in order to do it right, you want to make sure that you find the secret code, the blogging secret treasures, to make sure that your blog is successful. But I've got bad news for you, folks, because there's no 12-step answer I can send you to. This is a great blog. Do it this way and call it a day because that's not really how blogging works. But to me, here's the short answer, and this is my own definition. Let me know what you think. But I say a great blog is one people read or use or participate in. However you want to state it, it has an audience. An engaged audience, that is. Because without engagement, it's just numbers. And numbers are not connections or relationships or customers or customers down the road either. So I think the turning point for creating a great blog hinges on that elusive thing, engagement. And this applies no matter what your blog offers. So you've heard a lot of talk lately about interactive content, personalization, and maybe even new gen to connect with the customer of today, um, the Gen C customer, I call it, and that is Generation Connected. That can be anyone. It doesn't have to be a a demographic. It just has to be someone connected digitally. Because really, with your web properties, with your business properties in a digital spectrum, like with our website that we've been talking about and our other digital assets, it's really about user experience. And if you can be 
unique and create community. Those are the things that are going to bring you engagement. And those are the things that help constitute engagement. But engagement varies drastically also. Um, The vehicles that you use to produce that engagement varies. And the endless possibilities of a mixed media to get your complex, perfect mixture for a great blog is always a unique formula. And that's the problem. But a great blog, I guess we can say, definitely is an engaging blog. So we figure that engaging is central. So how do you engage with your web content? I think it's critical that you have a core content hub. And that's sort of what we've been talking about with your website and your blog. And where you're going to be driving traffic and visitors and customers to visit. It's going to be to your content hub, which is usually your website and or blog. Um, Remember that your website is your publication. In other words, you are a publisher, a media publisher, when you produce a website. So your publication, your media, you should look at as a publisher. You should look at it as, I'm not just going to flit around on some silly things about my business, I'm actually going to produce as a media company really stirring awesome content. Sure, it can and should and does pertain to my business, but it's something bigger. So if you think like that when you think of your website, hey, I'm a publisher, I'm a publication, maybe that will help you to get that mindset that will bring your blog to the to the level it needs to be so that it is a traffic source and it is a valuable asset that draws that audience and gains that engagement. And also, by the way, your website is your business storefront. So it's the place where you create business via the internet, right? So remember, keep a rich mix of media in the purpose of creating your blog and your content hub. Um, By the way, in case you're not thinking about it this way, the engaging an audience is often the most active single, I say it this way, the most active single switch on your website. What I mean is that your blog content is continuously active, more so than any other web website content. Um, So, That is continuously active, it's changing, and it's evolving. And it's a place where visitors of your site are most likely to come back to. They're not just going to come back and visit your homepage a thousand times, what's the point? No, they're going to visit the content that you provide from your content hub, from your blog. So you want to make it continuously active, changing, and evolving. And I know that I need to do better on having a more... I think, content produced on my website. Of course, I'm producing content on a lot of places, so sometimes that's difficult. But I try to put up a couple posts a month at the minimal, and I don't have a set schedule, and a lot of people tell you that's a good thing to do. But I haven't settled into a set schedule yet either. Um, But again, think about these things when you're thinking about how you want to develop that audience and nurture that engagement through your blog. Think of it as a portal 
to nature prospects as you build your trust, your likability, and their understanding in you and in your products and in your services and in your business. So ultimately, your content hub, your blog, your website, anchors all your inbound marketing efforts. So think about that as the anchor of your inbound marketing efforts. That way, when we get to the point where we're talking about driving traffic to the source and I'm handing you all those resources on the brand new Mizzy Biz page coming soon, you can go ahead and get resources to drive traffic because you've already been working this this much time this year, all year so far, to creating this valuable asset this marketing mix, this key driver for your business, your blog. So there you go. Your blog has a big job. So, so far what I've talked about then is the big picture of a great blog. So what do we say? It has impact. It has an audience. It initiates engagement. It's part of your publishing house and content hub. It is a content hub. And it's an essential ingredient in your marketing mix, particularly content marketing, or on your digital channel, your website. So with so much to accomplish, how can you construct a blog that matters? And really, isn't that what everything we've been talking about all year about your website, your website pages, the strength of those pages, the user experience, the mixed media that you make into your blog? Isn't all of that about attracting and constructing a blog that matters? So I ask my question, myself that question every day. How What is a great blog? How do I get a great blog? And what I've decided, people, after years, weeks, days, and hours, months, and everything else, I think four years now, close to five years, I'm experimenting, learning, researching, studying, examining, 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 new word for you. Anyway, the point is, my definitive answer is this. There is no single formula to create a great blog. Yikes, there's no formula. There's no single formula. But you'll notice that some blogs that are successful compared to other blogs are different as night and day. Um, So there you have an example that explains to you that there surely can't be a single formula if this is a huge successful blog and so is this and they have nothing in common. So you need to recognize that and you need to embrace that and you need to find your unique to create your blog without looking to mimic exactly anyone else. That's what I think. So take that to heart and think about that a little bit. But what you really have to do, and again, I've been thinking about this a long time, is you have to figure out what draws an audience. So I say that offering a unique perspective does matter. But the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is a great blog, in my opinion, is in the eyes of the beholder. In other words, your audience holds the key. I guess you probably knew that. But look, it's not easy to find an audience. It's not easy to make persona profiles of people if you're just starting out, if you're just building traffic, and if you're just getting to know who your readers are, or just starting to get analytics that you can then look at and learn from and use to your advantage. You may not have any of that yet. So you have to think, 
how do I do this? What should I do? Um, so I talk a lot about Hanukkah. I'm not sure if I'm saying she. I've heard her say it, but I'm probably saying her last name wrong. But anyway, my buddy Hanukkah is a great writer I admire and respect. She admits that your actual audience, when you find out who they are, might end up being entirely indifferent, uh, an entirely different group or segment or different people than you thought or that you planned for your audience. She said that kind of ha- happened to her. Her audience tilted, and when they tilted, that gave her the direction so that she knew how to twist and tilt and make her blog usable to those people. And this is a quote from Heineke. She said when she writes, and everything you do on your blog, whether it's video, audio, animation, I don't care what it is, it starts with writing. I, I think that, and I think a lot of other people think that, and I think that's something important to know. But So she says when you are writing on your blog or any of your content, do this. Quote from Henneke. So pick your favorite reader. When you write for him only, your blog instantly becomes more engaging. You make each reader feel like you're writing specifically for him. Unquote. Thanks, Henneke. That's exactly right. I think it's true. I think when I started to look at or try to write to one person, say one person that asked a question and then I wanted to give them the information and did so by writing a post about it, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm writing to that one person to explain what they need to know. My most recent article on my blog is about Twitter and I was working in a group that was talking about Twitter and how to use it and that saying things like, I don't get it. What, you know, I don't get it. So I tried in my last post to give tips about how Twitter has things that are really useful as a business, like research and connecting with people and marketing to people and making business connections and creating a bigger audience, all those things. But anyway, that's the point I'm making is that you have to figure out who it is you're talking to. And that's not easy. And that doesn't happen right off the bat. And as Henneke reminds us, that can change along our journey. So remember that that can change along your journey. The other thing I say to you people, folks, is your digital presence requires that you are present, which means you have to put some thought, some planning, some work, and some time into creating a successful blog. And geez, all that sounds like stuff to do. That's right. It doesn't just come, traffic, audience, people, engagement, it doesn't just come by writing. It comes by people noticing that work and appreciating that work and talking to you about that work, about starting a conversation around that work. Um, And that's one of the best things uh, as a business person or a blog writer or content creator, um, anyone who has a website, that's a huge feeling of appreciation that you are doing something right when people start interacting with you talking about your work sharing your work um, and when all of that is happening your business is getting more notice and a bigger reputation so you do have to worry to some degree about 
who your audience will be. But you can also swim around until you find that stream where you belong. Okay? So don't be afraid to um, know and to understand that the secret is the formula for your great blog will be different for everyone. Okay? So now let's see what the world says. And these are some things that, again, I put together to help you create a unique digital imprint that is solely yours and yours alone. Okay, that's what you're looking for. And I love that. That's out of an article I wrote. And the words are this. Create a unique digital imprint that is solely yours and yours alone. That's what you want your blog to do. That's what you want your business to do. Your business, if it's the same as all the competitors, it doesn't do anything different or stand out or make you remarkable in what you do. And you have to you have to strive for that, I think, to stand out and to be noticed. And you have to, again, have a solid blog with valuable assets. So how do you do that? Things like headlines. I have a great article with all kinds of research about how to make the best headlines if you want to take a look. But uh, my, bear, my friend Barry Feldman talks about... Um, well, anything writing or copywriting or content marketing, but he hones in on how to use and create headlines connecting on an emotional level to move your readers along. He likes to talk about using emotion in that headline. And um, the another way that, that another thing that's important in your headlines is subheads. And that's something that people don't talk about a lot of times. Um, but you need to write irresistible subheads. You want your blog to be able to be read by someone who scans it and just sees the title and the subheads. You want the story of something to come out just from that. Or you want to tease enough in that subhead that people want to read the paragraph and not just skim over because there's something intriguing or curiosity-filled or emotion-filled that pulls and hooks the reader into that paragraph or into that information. So you can, it's not just even the headline, it's subheads as well. And I hope you guys are using CoSchedule's Headline Analyzer. It's a free tool, and I use it all the time. Now, some people say that it is just a tool, and, and I agree, it's just a tool. You don't have to go along with it. But they've done a lot with playing around with algorithms and testing and collecting information and data that makes their tool pretty darn good. Um, I enjoy using it, but whether you use it or not, or whether you go with their suggestion or not, it's still a good tool. It's the CoSchedule Headline Analyzer. Um, so go on in, on the web and get your free headline analyzer and use their tool. I love their tool. Um, again, the other thing about headlines that people don't do, and I'm going to tell you what to do, so write this down, you need to write 20 headlines, 25 headlines, sometimes 50 headlines. Um, and again, your headline, your title of your post or your project or your content needs to be, look, if people don't get past the headline, you'll never, they never get to your work. So the headline has to draw people in. But there's a lot of different ways to do that is the thing. Um, and so there's length. People talk about length for the headline. They talk about using emotional words. They talk about having curiosity in your headline and so forth. But 
the main point is that, look, even if you don't agree that you have to follow an analyzer, and co-schedule is only one of them. There's another one, too, uh, or there's several. But uh, the point is that these guys know what works. And so even though you might think it's cheesy to say how-to all the time in your post, how-to this, how-to that, a how-to is something people notice. So people use the words how-to in headlines a lot, but there's a reason. And so, you know, I guess it comes down to, do you want to fight over having a headline that you like versus one that the algorithms like and that we know will draw people in? Um, Is it more important then to have them come in and read your stuff or to make your headline be whatever you want it to be, whether it's good on an analyzer or not. So I guess, I guess you can look at it that way. But as you, as you go, as you test headlines, as you use headlines, as you work on content, you'll start to see that, you know, these guidelines that, that, that these headline analyzer tools give you are helpful. Now, again, there's never one that's the perfect headline. And sometimes, you know, before you write what your headline is going to be, sometimes there's people who write their headline after they write their content, because then they know exactly how to direct the headline, because it's going to be, and that's the worst thing. Don't write a headline that has nothing to do with what your content is. Don't write a clickbait headline and have just to get the click into the topic, because if your topic and your headline don't connect, don't match, people are going to be mad at you. So not only are they not going to continue to read what you wrote, but they're going to look at your credibility differently because you tricked them into an article that now is nothing about that. So I don't know. I'm saying give your headlines a lot of focus and realize that those are important uh, when you write your content no matter what kind. And then we talk about words. We could talk about words all day because I love words, but there's a lot of discussion going on right now about the perfect length of a great blog post. This is so hotly debated, but I don't think word count is the most important measure for content of any kind. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, people. I just said it. I don't care about your damn word count. Everybody wants to talk about long, long lengths and short lengths and word counts. I don't want to talk about word counts with you guys. I want to talk about quality. I want to talk about creating content that is, haha, I'll give you, I'll give you the answer. Dr. Uh, um, Father Chi in college. I think it was maybe a religious course, a theology course. I'm not sure. Was it, uh, was it theology or history? But he he told you what everyone's told you in your career of writing. Here's the trick. You want it long enough to keep it interesting, short enough to cover the subject. Just like a girl's skirt, he said. Okay, that's your answer. Look, when I write, I never write words. I don't count words when I write. I write. I focus on the message and I try to use only as many words as it takes. Now, I'll admit I probably use a couple extra words because I'm a word person, but the point is you don't want extra words. You don't want not enough words. You want exactly what it takes to cover the subject and keep it interesting. Okay? Those are great words of advice from the late Father Chi.
from Carlo University. Okay, so now mixing up your blog means that there's a lot of ways you can go about it. It, you can mix it up by the length of the article, the style of the article, or the type of content you use. My blog's content is a mix, and that's intentional. Why? Because when you have a mix of content, you offer a surprise for readers. So they don't feel like, oh no, same old thing, I'm back, and this sounds like just like the last thing I came and saw on this blog. And this looks just like the last thing. I don't want that. Some people want such consistency that you can't tell one thing from another. That's not my style. That's okay too, and it works for some people. But I like to keep a mix and surprise my readers. Um, you'd like to have, it also offers when you have a mix, you have a variety for your readers. So you cover topics um, from your main categories or the main subject of your site, but you offer those topics in a variety of ways. And you cover a variety of things within a topic so that you can pinpoint information on various things within that topic succinctly, directly, and concisely, but also thoroughly. So one topic, you might be picking something that's a pinpoint of a needle, but it might take 4,000 words to give you the whole picture about that one tiny topic. Sometimes it won't take that long. Sometimes you might need a whole book, right? Anyway, the ability to bring interesting information and valuable and value on multiple topics and on multiple levels. That's what you want. You also want an opportunity to test formats. And if you can't test formats and do some of this stuff on your own blog, there's nowhere else you're going to be able to do it. So, and also to learn what your audience favors. If you do video, audio, written content, and maybe... I don't know, whatever your content is. And maybe your infographic king. That's because your audience loves them. That's what you do. Perfect. But you have an opportunity on your blog to test formats. You also have the benefit of showcasing your writing work or your client work or your gallery of work or your portfolio of work. So use your website use your content hub for the benefit of showcasing yourself. Also, your blog gives you a platform for testing and evolving a creative content form, forum. So if you do it a little bit different, you will really become, you, you will really start evolving into a creative content forum. And then you also have digital business and digital growth opportunities. Um, and this is through digital marketing possibilities that you'll gain by creating a successful blog. So um, if you want, you can zip over to BuzzSumo and check out Steve Rayson's data based on what he says is the optimal length for a blog post and talks about some format and some industry standards. But again, I I think the standard comes from what you're working on. 
I think you make the standard by what you're discussing, what your topic is, and how you want to write about it. And I think it's probably a good idea to mix things up. If every single post is super, super long, that might deflect some people from visiting because they know that your stuff's good, but they don't have that much time today. So if you keep mixing it up, you keep making it interesting, you keep making it exciting, you keep making it new, you keep addressing your audience in different ways to get a feel for how they best like to consume your content, you're going to be winning. Those are all good things to do. Now remember, mechanics matter. We talked about already the headline, and we talked a little bit about blog post length, but there's other mechanics that matter. That is if you want to look like... Look, I, I break grammar rules be, that I never thought I would, that I've learned long and hard in, you know, English, as, in English and communications and so forth. But I think that, uh, at least according to my friend Dan Hanley and according to web etiquette, you can bend the rules a lot because you, you're allowed to have a voice. You're allowed to have an attitude. You're allowed to break grammar rules as long as you are connecting and engaging with people. If they understand you, if they get your message, then it's not so important that you break some of the rules. But if you want to be a credible source, if you want to be an authority source, if you want to be a business with a good reputation, then you do need to worry about mechanics like grammar, like spelling, like punctuation. You also want to make sure, and this is really big, you have accurate facts and research, and you cite them. You also want to think about proper word usage. You want to use transitions. You don't want to use passive voice or tense in writing. You don't want to uh, uh, overuse adverbs. And you need to think about the language that you use, the difficulty and style. Now, I tend to always come out high on the Kincaid-Fleshman score. My writing tends to be, I guess, more difficult. But I think I'm just writing as myself. And I do have a lot of education. Maybe that's why I write in long sentences. I think in long sentences, I'm a word person. But always check those things, and I do it with Yoast. So if you're using the Yoast plugin for SEO, it also helps you to make sure that your sentence length and the simplicity in what you write, you don't have to be simple to write with simplicity, okay? You can write about highly complex methods um, and scenarios of every kind but using language that's easy to consume and sentence length that's easy to consume and so forth. So I think that these parts of writing, like using a period, <laughs> those kinds of things have to be correct. Um, I think editors, readers, clients, guest posts, your site, for you forever, for good, for always, you need these essential parts because you can be brilliant with out-of-this-world ideas and useful content and still have no readers if you compromise on certain mechanics. People don't like tripping over misspells, incorrect word usage, no punctuation or punctuation that doesn't make sense. So these are all important things too.
Uh, some ways to test this for yourself besides using Yoast or Grammarly. Grammarly is also a great tool for checking your writing and your word usage and even spelling. But uh, you can read your work aloud and then you know if it stumbles or if it's clear. You can read it backwards. Edit it 10 times. That's my my thought. At least 10 times. Um, and the bottom line is you don't want to have mistakes that reflect negatively on you and the quality of your work. And did I mention you might want to learn to love editing. And by editing, I don't mean word count, by the way. <laughs> okay, so word up. Mechanics matter. Word up. It's not the count of the words. It's the quality, the contest, and whether it covers the subject, however many words that takes. Now I'm going to give you a quick ending to this podcast, and I'm going to use Michael Brenner's infographic, which is about the anatomy of a perfect blog. It's a tune-up checklist for you people. He says you have to have a heading. You have to have an intro that hooks people and feeds people and pulls and draws them in. You have to have a subheader and use subheaders or um, H2s, I guess you would call them, subheads. Um, You want to have visual assets within your blog content. Even if it's written, he says you want to have and include visual assets. He says you want to discuss after the intro, a subheader visual, you want to have main copy that tells your story. You want to have more visuals and more subheaders and more main copy. And then he says what I've been saying on every show, you have to end with a CTA. What's a CTA? You're right, a call to action. So remember these things because if you don't have a decent headline, you're missing, well, according to this, only 20% of people make it past the headline. According to this, he says, uh, you have to consider in your headlines things like keywords, trigger words, like that how-to word that I mentioned. And he says promises, which, again, has to do with curiosity and things like that. Uh, In your intro, to get that hook, to create that hook, he talks about using storytelling to draw people in or, you know, a personal anecdote things like that. Or you can quote an expert, an influencer, or a famous figure, something like that for a storytelling hook to draw people in in the intro. And then your subheads, as I said, um, he said it should be for every new section, and I say it should also be a cohesive um, a, co- a, a cohesive um, roadway, roadmap through your story, okay? So use those H2s or those subheads, and you can use keywords in those or target secondary keywords in those subheads um, also, Michael says. Your main copy is everything that you want to tell about your topic or the subject of your headline. But he's saying, again, for your main copy, you still have to be aware of people, of user experience. And so you still should be in your main copy and in with your main information. You shouldn't just be 
a flood of words. You should try bullet points. You should try lists. You should try charts. You should try bolding things, you know, with bold or italic. You should try subheads, which we already talked about. Lots of visuals, which we talk about all the time, and he mentioned earlier. And you should pull quotes. Interesting data is always a big thing for people. They like the data. Give them the research. And then for your visual assets, um, I've read this before, and I think Neil Patel says the same things. You should have visual, visual, something visual about every 350 words. So that's a lot of visuals sometimes if you have a big post. And I don't know if I do them that precisely, but you want to break up your text. That's the whole point. So that's one way to do it. And then don't forget your call to action. Your call to action doesn't have to be a big ask. You don't have to ask for too much at all. But it should be a call to action of some sort, whether it be download this post, whether it be sign up for my list, whether it be connect with me on a social media, whether it be listen to my podcast, whether it be, hey, please read the next article. Some call to action so that you can continue your engagement with your audience. Also, he mentions those share buttons, people, because posts with share buttons make content, he says, seven times more shareable than content without them. And I made this mistake. I first started publishing and didn't really know I was supposed to do the share buttons. So share buttons are key. They're huge and they're important. So make it easy for your readers, your audience, your visitors to share your post or share your content. And what easier way to do that than with those sharing elements like share buttons and click to tweets and all that good stuff. So remember, blogs are an important facet of your content marketing. They're important, an important part of your digital assets and your website. And they are sometimes a key to gaining business digitally and even business off, you know, at your place of work. Because, you know, you've seen the research now, haven't you, that people shop on their phone before they shop in person. So even if you're a local business, you still might need, want, and enjoy a lot more business by creating awesome digital assets like a great blog. I hope this gave you a lot of information to think about for how to create and how to think about what is a great blog. And I'll say it again, a great blog is in the eyes of the beholder. Thanks for listening to the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast. This is Sue Ann signing off, and don't forget, I have a big announcement coming up, so hang tight, people. Thanks for listening.